Hey everybody. Before we get started today, we all wanted to take a brief moment to acknowledge that there is a major, much-needed movement happening in the United States and around the world. Following the example and the words of Black Lives Matter Chicago, we call for an end to the state violence against and criminalization of Black communities through police forces, an unjust legal system, and federal, state, and local political organizations. Black Lives Matter. Thanks for listening. And now we hope we can give you a little stress relief with our dorky Vessel Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Chicography. My name is Dan. I am joined, as always, by Josh and Matthias. Say hi, boys. Hi. Hi, boys. <laughs> I've watched a Chikara show. I've got feelings on a Chikara show, so let's talk about a Chikara show. That's true. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's talk about a Chikara show. Let's talk about Live from the Factory 2, taking place on May 31st, 2002, one week after the show we covered last week which is not called life from the factory one uh it probably was initially but i think you know for the purposes of selling dvds on the re-release i'm guessing they changed it to the renaissance dons uh but you know it's hard to say if you go back to the uh official results on the chikara website you get a lot of like live from the factory three and then you right. know, Baila, Parka, Baila, like like some of the shows have names. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think A Sandwich Called Destiny is a yes, 2002 yes. show. It's uh, an important show, yeah. Yeah, they don't, don't get consistent with the naming trends until later. Yeah. Well, first thing to talk about here is, unlike last week, there is no commentary. Yeah. Which... Yeah. Maybe this show would have been the one to cover with nostalgia commentary. Maybe we'll get into that. Yeah, it's well, yep. it's interesting because, you know, with the Renaissance Dawns, sometimes it takes you out of the matches a bit, like hearing the historical context, you know, hearing, you know, Quack and Bryce dragging the referee from the first show, who's not <laughs> back on the show, like... Yeah, they had a they had a real axe to grind with that referee from Renaissance Dawn and his his fast counts, but uh, so sometimes that would sort of take you out of the match. Here, I feel like I I my attention never really wavered from the match, but certain aspects of the matches or the ambiance of the ma- surrounding the matches, the crowd, yeah, that's in lane. We'll get to that. The crowd, yeah, it was the crowd. Or really, it was like one dude. Yeah, yeah, it was. yeah. It, by and large, it was one dude. Yeah, well, I don't know if it was ECW hat guy. I don't think it is, but he no, was there the last show. No, he he wouldn't be so far out obscured from vision. I think that's true. He would be front and center in front of hard cam. Uh, yeah, no, we'll talk. We'll talk about that guy, uh, and we'll. But you know, uh, it's. It's yeah, having comment some sort of commentary would have obscured from that, but 
it's also interesting getting like the what is essentially the live experience uh on this show right yeah it was very much a time capsule into 2002 indie crowds especially mm-hmm. in the philadelphia area yeah yeah it's it's a kind of post ecw kind of we have certain expectations and we're gonna say certain things that we wouldn't say today yeah well depending on the promotion maybe they would it's a it's a fairly it's it's what i consider like kind of a kind of a standard indie crowd i don't know like it's well you wouldn't find it in chikara today no you wouldn't find it in chikara there are you you wouldn't find it in chikara uh, at all unless it's like someone who's just like shown up for that show and has no prior context uh and, and typically like, the crowd will police that person. Yeah, they typically get shouted down. Sometimes it is by me. <laughs> Sorry. I thank you. <laughs> Go for it. Um, and you mentioned the referee. Did you catch who this was? It's Oh, yeah. I absolutely did. Uh, I think at some point, I believe Blind Rage uh, yells at Paul because it is mm-hmm. Paul Turner who goes on from this to be a mainstay in Ring of Honor and is now uh, on All Elite Wrestling most Wednesdays. Uh, and I that think it's is ki- right. I think it's kind of funny that, like, the two people on the show who are on national TV, it's the referee and it's the ring announcer. <laughs> who yep. became a referee, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I noticed that, like, I, I kind of forgot that Paul Turner works for All Elite Wrestling. And yeah, he kind of hit me right before we started recording. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. With this show, I think we have some differences in opinion. Yeah. Uh, more so than the first one. Uh, um, but go ahead. Yeah. It's, you know, I think, I think the Renaissance Dawns is, I think everyone's up for, I think there's like a, like, like a very high energy to that show. I think this is probably my guess is this is probably more reflective of what like the average Chikara show looks like. We don't really have that much of a frame of reference as we'll talk about later. This is the second of two Chikara shows from 2002 available on uh, Chikaratopia and or IWTV. So we can't really say for sure, but this feels a little more like probably a little a little more of like what what it's like on average you know the stated reason why uh why quack said that you know he didn't really want all of these shows out there he says it on commentary on renaissance dawns is that he didn't feel it was the best way to represent the people who are still learning how to wrestle essentially most of the people all the trainees on the show it's their second match Sure. I mean, I enjoy these now, but I, this is after Ultra Mantis has had a long career, uh, yeah. same with Icarus and so on. Um, so now you're seeing them having to establish a name. They are not known quantities. And yeah. so all of their flaws are exposed. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's it, again, like we'll talk about it. Well, maybe I don't want to like get too mired in, oh, well, you know, this person did this move wrong or, like, this doesn't come off well. But, oh, you know, you can yeah. you can see you can see a lot more of the jitters and the, like, you know, miscommunication that would come from doing something like live pro wrestling in front of a crowd that is at times a bit, or at least one guy is quite hostile towards the wrestling going on in the right. ring. I think uh, to the point that someone at one point is like, 
you can leave, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I can't remember. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember what match that is. I was like planning on saving that for the match, but like at some point, like a lady just starts like heckling back at him. She and... is a hero. Yes. Yeah, she and that's was my favorite fan. Yeah, and I guess that's also sort of a a sign of like what's to come, right? It's yeah. someone in the yeah. crowd like supporting the performers and like giving them a space and room to grow, where as opposed to you know what I think of as like. There are a lot of amazing indie wrestling crowds all over the country, but like a bad indie wrestling crowd is basically like that guy where it's very much you are here, you are here for my entertainment. If you make a mistake, I'm never going to let you forget it. Um, yeah. Clap, clap. Yeah. Clap, clap. Uh, you know, it's it's very much it's that like crowd that kind of mentality. Quack did not want the footage getting in front of. Um, yeah, we appreciate no, yeah. it. And we have some grace toward them, but there's, I don't know what I'm going to call them, but I have a different thought for them kind of crowd who wouldn't be so gracious. Yeah. Not that I might indulge in a Cinema Sins esque like dinging of it every now and then, <laughs> but really this comes from a place of love. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's the main difference. We are Chikara fans first and foremost. Yes, exactly. Um, well, without any further ado, should we get into the first match? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we've got Blind Rage versus the Love Bug, one half of Beauty and the Beast. And that's the chubby Casanova Love Bug. That's, uh, that, that comes up in the ring announcing. I love that nickname. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. It's the chubby chick magnet. It, uh, yeah, I had that written down. The chubby yes. chick magnet Love Bug. Yes. Uh, and actually, first Blind Rage comes out. And, you know, looking... As we said last week, like Jerry only. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Like, if you don't know who Jerry only is, Google him. And there you go. You've seen Blind Rage. Uh, so the person in the crowd who uh, made the show kind of unbearable at times immediately was like, he's got the wrong shade of lipstick. and Or he's Marilyn Manson's brother. And someone immediately was like, good one. <laughs> but it did not deter him for the rest of the show i just wanted to point out i'm not going to go through and like mention every dumb thing that yeah. was said but i do want to point out that immediately the first time like within seconds of the show starting someone is like okay dude shut up yeah. i will say that's a very good sample of the kind of things he says and it's also emblematic of a kind of thing we still run into sometimes mm -hmm. but he says that it doesn't go over well and out comes Love Bug. And not only do we have Love Bug, last week I mentioned, or I guess this probably isn't going to be coming out weekly. Screw that. That's way too much work. Uh, last time he was blocked by his partner when he was tearing off his pants. This time we got the glorious shot of him ripping them off. He was so happy. I was so happy for him. Um, yeah. he's. I, I think my favorite thing about this match is that we really get a much better sense of love bug as like a character mm -hmm. in this match. I think yeah. in the uh, beauty and the beast tag against the night shift last time around, we get a sense of him as a wrestler, but I think he does a lot of fun little character beats that sort of support the like ladies man or like fun top, like, like having a good time, wild and crazy guy aesthetic. He has uh, one of my favorite pieces of offense in the entire show is him doing like the gentlest, the, the most deliberately gentle hip attack I've ever yes. seen in wrestling. <laughs> he just he just does like this like like the hip hippos from Animaniacs like 
butt bump to uh, Blind Rage, sending him out of the ring. It's it's phenomenal. He went flying on that. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Credit to Blind Rage because he his like increasing frustration in this match equates to even those moments where Love Bug barely does. Yeah. And Blind Rage is just it affects him. It takes him over completely. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's it's so like this is a short match. I was surprised and a little disappointed by how short it was, not knowing what was to come. Like I knew there was I knew what the main event was, but I didn't know who was in it. So I was sort of like, well, what is going on? Like five minutes, five minutes in a low blow was kind of like, eh. uh, it is, it does set up martial law coming out to make the save. Uh, and lifting his hands. I didn't see a Blind Rage uh, martial law match on the rest of the 2002 uh, results, but I might have missed it because I thought when this happened, like, oh, well, that's what they're setting up for the next show. But uh, they had bigger plans in mind for Blind Rage. Yeah, Blind Rage is just, he gets so frustrated with Love Bug not staying down. He finally just hits a low blow blatantly and uh, puts on a post-match SDF, holds it in. Martial law comes out for the save. Um but that, like you said, it is to set up something else later. Yes. And speaking of it setting up something later, I guess we should transition now into the Blind Rage interview. Oh, uh, we can do that. It's, I believe there's a there's match, one match that comes before that. that. Oh, but, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, let's. Oh, did you want to say anything more about the Blind Rage match? No, I'm, I'm, I'm all the way ready for what comes next. Yes. yes. I think Josh, in particular, is very ready for what comes next. So why don't you take it away, Josh? Great. So the next match is Matt Vandal versus the absolute boy, Zane Madrox. Yes! He's back! He's such a boy. He's, he's, he is an absolute, absolute boy. Uh, Zane Madrox, uh, his entrance has evolved a little bit. I was curious mm-hmm. if, you know, as we would said last time... I was under the impression that he was working a multiple personality gimmick. I don't think that's the case now. I think that was just sort of like maybe a fan misinterpretation that just sort of got passed down over the years. Uh, He makes his entrance here. This is one of the most wonderful things. So the camera is trained on the awesome old Russell factory entrance with the dragon and the swirling dragon eyes as the like 20 second intro to absolutely bills mood by they might be giants plays. And then Zane Madrox (laughs) makes his entrance through the exit door (laughs) on the other side. Yes. (laughs) Which if you remember is also where the snacks are. Yeah. Uh, because he comes out carrying a, a bag of chips, I believe it was. Yep, and just passing it out to fans in the front row. Yeah, there's a there is a group of fans who I think he had interacted with the previous week too, mm-hmm. who are very excited to see him back. Yes, uh, <laughs> who wouldn't be? Freedoms. Yeah, and he's he's wearing he's wearing the same hat and wig, but he has upgraded his entrance attire because he does come out in a bathrobe. Yes. Yes. It's this <laughs> solid color drab bathrobe. Oh, it's so good. Was it like a, a green? Am I remembering that? Maybe yes, it was it, it, it was a dark green. Yeah. Okay. Um and his opponent is Matt Vandal. Too hard to handle. Too hard to handle with the the I looked him up on Cage Match and, As did I. <laughs> yeah. And it is the number two hard yes. the number two handle. Which is phenomenal. 
He doesn't spell uh, handle H A N D A L, does he? Unfortunately, no. doesn't match the name. Okay. Uh, so Matt Vandal, God, you could have told me that Matt Vandal was in any number of like Ring of Honor groups or tag teams from 2002 and 2003, um, and like just like looking at a picture of him, I would have believed you. Like he kind of, he's kind of dressed like a special K member, but he's built. He's like, he is in very good shape. He's the Uh, special K member who goes to the gym. Yeah. Or like, he could be like the third member, like the unknown third member of the outcast killers. Uh, He very much, yeah, he's got like, he's got like the bandana wrapped around his head. Um, he kind of he kind of looks like like Davy Boy Smith Jr. in Special K. <laughs> Who, if you uh, don't know Special K, they were uh, they were a group of ravers in Ring of Honor in two thousand two and two thousand three, and so they all wore like bandanas and danced to bad techno music and didn't really want to wrestle. Uh, and if you don't know Special K, you can go down to your local park and find someone who's standing on a corner. <laughs> you can, you, uh, like, if you, if you, if you, you know, go to the Northeast and, like, go to any public place, there were so many members of Special K, there is a non-zero chance that one of them is just, like, randomly there. Uh, and uh, so you mentioned Cage Match with Vandal, and I also did my research there. Did you notice that, at least according to them, which they're not always accurate, so, you know, you never know. They don't, they miss a lot of shows, but according to them anyway, Matt Vandal's debut match involved at least three different clowns. <laughs> I did not. Do you have this result? Do you have this result like pulled up or would you have to track it down? Uh, I do not, unfortunately, but I believe it was like, uh, it was Spanky the Clown. They were they were uh, dirty names. It was like Spanky the Clown, Filthy the Clown. Oh, and I think one that was okay. maybe too dirty for a Chikara podcast. Oh yeah, no, I, I am seeing this. Uh, also, at least four, just like four, four or five people in this match. Like they just did not know who was in the match. They knew fifteen men were in the match, but they did not know all the fifteen. <laughs> yes, that is why I said at least three. There may have been more clowns. We do not know. Oh man! Shout out to uh, what promotion? Violent Championship Wrestling. <laughs> Ooh, I don't like that. That sounds violent. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of violence, Zayn Madrox has brought a knife to the ring. <laughs> Is that what? It, I couldn't tell what it was. It was. It was a, knife. It was a rubber knife. <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't tell what the first one was i was gonna ask you guys what it was like I, I it could have been something else but i'm pretty sure because like matt vandal like grabs it and bends it and is like it's not uh, even real uh, <laughs> yeah, i remember him saying that but i was i the quality the video quality is not and you know not great it's from 2002 so i i couldn't quite tell what it was but yeah that is amazing i think he also had his harmonica again he might, yeah, because he, he there was a second does, thing. Yeah, there's a second thing because the because Paul Turner catches the rubber knife and he's like discarding it, and Zane Madrox turns around and like I think to the fans who really like him, like he says, "Oh, but he didn't catch this," and he like holds up a second thing, and that might have yeah. been the harmonica again. Yes, that, <laughs> and then, he, that's exactly and then what I'm talking about. yeah, <laughs> and then Zane Madrox, like master of deception, like just turns around with it still just plainly visible in his hand. 
Man, I am so sad that this is the second and final time Zayn Madrox has come up on this podcast. I probably would still be a Zayn Madrox super fan if he was still on Chikara. Oh yeah. Yes. Imagine imagine what he would have like become by now. Like how many entrance like attire changes he would have gone through. How many different you know? ways he could find to enter the building. Maybe he'd be wearing a fake mustache now. <laughs> oh, my kingdom for the two IWA Mid-South shows that he wrestled on <laughs> to show up on IWTV. Please, oh please. My gosh. I pulled them up because they're amazing. Uh, Zayn Madrox versus Hollow Wicked and Ultra Mantis is uh, the one match that he's uh-huh. in. That would be great fun. Also on that show is a light heavyweight title tournament with Mike Quackenbush, Blind Rage, Ichabod Slane, and then some IWA Mid-South guys. Yeah. It's like, Please put that on the show or on the streaming service. But more importantly, the second night, because he, he only went out there for one shot, it looks yeah. like. And not only does this show have Ian Rotten and Jerry Lynn versus Blind Rage and Mike Quackenbush, not only does this show have Tracy Smothers versus Ultra Mantis. Wow. But this show has Zane Madrox one-on-one with the Necro Butcher. Oh my god. <laughs> please. IWTV. Please. Yeah. Mm. I need it. Future future uh geography uh match. Oh god, I don't even know like guy who is going in a match we're going to cover, uh Necro Butcher. He's not coming on the yeah. podcast. Necro Butcher no, no, no. is Necro no, Butcher. Necro you are not him. invited on our podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry no, 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 to tell no. you. Um, but but we will be talking unlikely Chikara guest star on a show in the future. Uh, yeah, but but we'll 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 say some nice things about Tag World. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, Jerry Lynn, if you want to come on, you're welcome, though. Yeah, out of those people I mentioned. Uh, so I guess we should talk about this match. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's just Vandal keeps hitting the most basic moves like hip tosses and then celebrating immediately. Yeah. Um, uh, Zane comes back for a while. You know, it's basic three act structure, and a lot of this show is. Um, for me, and I know this is where the opinions start to split. It works. It's very basic. Um, yeah. But for me, as like someone who just, I'm going to go see a wrestle show. Here's my five bucks. I'm going to watch a good guy and a bad guy. It works for me. Yeah, um, I think it. I think it loses its way for a while. Um, one non basic move that Matt Vandal does do that I think is like a fun answer to a trivia question. Uh, the pendulum hold is a hold yeah. that you see in Chikara matches, you know, oh, through right. the years. Matt Vandal does the first pendulum hold in Chikara history on Zane Madrox. Uh, it's, I was not expecting to see that move in this match. It feels a bit like, you know, you see your first submission chain in the previous show. So this feels like very much like, Oh, Wow. Yeah, like this is the this is the first time that move shows up for me. Like the move, the match kind of loses its way for a bit. The crowd, this is sort of where the crowd starts getting a bit more restless. I'd say is partway through this match. Zayn Madrox wins them all back completely, though. When he does, I don't even know how to describe this move. Like I know it has a name. This is this is the second like installment of me trying to describe like what a move is. Right. I think I know the back move you're talking about. It's. It's kind of like a backpack Samoan driver. Like he just like slings. Yeah, I don't know what to call that. Yeah, it's like he slings him over his shoulder and then he just sits out 
and like drops Matt Vandal on his head and the entire crowd like just universally is like, whoa. There's a standing ovation from at least yeah. part of the crowd. Yeah. Yes. Now, my question to you though, when you were talking about the, you know, first ever move, you know, first ever time we saw the pendulum, I could have sworn that was the beach break. Oh, it's not unlike it if not. Oh, well, it's no, it's not the beach break because the beach break is uh an air raid crash essentially. It's like Mm-hmm. I I'd have to look. Oh God! Now we're gonna now we're gonna do. Do you want to ta- do you want to take a minute and meet, like so I can I can check that. Actually, yeah. No. Now that you say that, it, it kind of is. There's. I feel like usually when you see the beach break, there's like a little bit more of a run up or like a little bit more of like a running motion. Whereas he just sort of picks him up and sits down with it. Just but yeah, it is actually right kind head. of. Yeah, it is actually kind of the beach break. Uh, so yeah, not only... Which is wild. Yeah, not only... It's not just the pendulum. It's the first beach break ever. I mean, this is years before uh, Fire Ant shows up. Yep. Unless, hmm. maybe, maybe we've been seeing Zayn Madrox this whole time. Oh maybe Zayn Madrox. Look, I'm just saying, I've never seen Zayn Madrox and Fire Ant in the same room at the same time. We're through the looking glass, people. Oh, I, I, you know, this is why you go through these old shows. You you find these little nuggets that set up storylines for especially you. in Shakara. But we should be serious now, okay? Fire Ant is an actual ant. Yeah, and Zane Madrox is whatever Zane Madrox. He's is. off in the woods somewhere looking for potatoes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I hope that he has a. a steady supply fritos wherever he is we miss you zane come back come home (laughs) well but yeah so then uh zane uh this is one of the parts that i wanted to kind of dunk just a little bit because he like gets vandal up for what looked like uh like gets him up for an argentine backbreaker and then just kind of drops him the second he has it up for it uh which i mean you know honestly it does it it fits into the character i guess yeah we'll say that it's character work all right yeah it could have been who's to say you can't Uh, prove that it's not and zane he was still early on i mean he wasn't og og takara but he's still pretty early on this is like you know like after love bug and blind rage i think these three matches in the interim before the main event, it's all kind of people or no, I shouldn't say that about Brock Singleton versus Martial Law actually, but this and Mr. Zero versus Ultraman is, is very yeah. much like, yeah, it's their second match. Like they're not going to get everything yeah. right. Like it's, this is, this is, this is the point of, yeah. you know, you get better through doing you, you, there's, there's the theoretical, but like performing in front of a crowd, you know, mm-hmm. with that kind of pressure. It's 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 part of you know growth. Of Absolutely, right? Yeah, and I I don't know if this is what you're going for, but uh, after that moment with the not quite Argentine drop, uh, Zane yes. finally goes up to the top of the leg drop. He did, yeah. Which yeah. I'm a fan of. I like that finisher. Always a welcome move. And is that is that he? So he wins this match. Is that the move he wins with? Yeah, it is. Right? It was. Yeah. Yeah, he wins with In that leg drop. Eight minutes and forty three seconds. That. I was deli- I was genuinely yeah. not expecting him to win. I feel like, and I, th- I think I think with most of the other results, especially for him, for the rest of the 
you know, three or four shows he works after that, mm-hmm. like you wouldn't really see him be like an outsider, like a freelancer like that. Uh, so it was like a very like big surprise to see him grab, yeah. grab the win here. It was very, yes. very satisfying. It was. And before we say bye to Zayn Madrox for good, or at least for now, I do want to point out one more thing that I found looking through his cage match. Do you know okay. what his other uh, performing name, the uh, name he went by, do you know what that would be? No. He was known as Skeeter McCoy. Yeah. Skeeter McCoy. Oh, my Ugh. God. I love you. Oh, you know, my God. <laughs> I compared him to, Skeeter. like, I compared him to Chuck Taylor, like, on the last one. Like, I felt mm-hmm. like I got kind of a Chuck Taylor energy. That is just straight up one of, like, <laughs> one of his, like, interim names. <laughs> like, like his, 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 his mahogany. Yeah, you know, Scoot Tatum, Skeeter McCoy. It's, I'd like it's, to think that Skeeter McCoy is actually the real name, the shoot name, and he is Molly McCoy's oh my God. father, uncle. Oh. He goes into the we're whole Hatfield giving, McCoy we're just mythology. Giving them lore. We're just we're just we're just <laughs> providing them. You know, you know, oh. Mobius was one thing, but get ready. Dasher Hatfield, Molly McCoy, and Skeeter McCoy <laughs> at King of Trios 2021. Please. Oh, please. I, I do, while we're just trafficking in theories and stuff, I do have a conspiracy theory about him. Uh, okay. They mentioned in the last show <laughs> that he just, he kind of started, started like missing stuff, right? He just yeah. stopped showing up. Now, so he wrestled on three, four, five of the six chikara shows that ran that first summer that first run right they don't start up yeah. again until right. october for the second run of chikara events for the rest of the year that iwa mid-south show okay. is before october yeah i think that zane madrox got in the ring with necro butcher oh he was like <laughs> i am done with you oh <laughs> I, and just you know Eat it on home. Oh, oh no. man. Necro Butcher, what did you do? Yeah, Aside from everything. In a, in a yeah. Uh, so Matt, Matt Turner and Anthony Franco, just like, you know, three years in the future, like they get home from getting destroyed in Tag World and they just get like a handwritten note. Like, <laughs> I know this. <laughs> I know, I too know this pain. Signed Z Madrox. <laughs> And there's on top of it a hat with some hair attached to the ends. <laughs> Avenge me! Yeah, happy bag of Fritos. Let's just cancel the rest of it. This is a Zane Madrox podcast now. Uh, from yes. now on, we're just going to be like pitching ways that like he can come back. Or <laughs> the intervening Chikara storylines have been influenced by Zane Madrox. Look, all that I'm saying is Archibald Peck was never actually a time traveler. He had an accomplice, and that accomplice was one Skeeter McCoy. You know, <sighs> the BDK, who was really funding the BDK this whole time? <laughs> Do you really think it was Swiss money holding? They just hold the money. Who gives them the money? I know the answer. Who's Same someone who's known for giving things out to people? Hmm? Like chips? Hmm? Okay. Chips. <laughs> Chips, which is also a form of currency in casinos. Mm. 
which can be exchanged for money. Uh, he is the puppet master. We need to talk about this blind rage. Yeah. Oh my god, that's the final. He, Mike Quackenbush knows how Jakara has ended. He's said that before. Uh-huh. <laughs> he knows he's playing the long game. <laughs> we need to talk about this blind rage promo. We need to get, we need, we need to get out of Oh, this. yes. We oh, do. We need to move on. Get this back on the rails slightly here. We have blind rage coming out. He is telling us that he doesn't respect Chikara. He doesn't respect. He doesn't get respect in Chikara. He doesn't get respect in Hard Way Wrestling, which I assume right. is the company the Bad Crew run. Yeah, I uh, think so. last week he squashed a bug in Ultra Mantis, and this week another one, the Love Bug. Uh, he's being held down here in Chikara, and to get by, you need strength in numbers, and so that brings out the Night Shift. So yeah, we have the formation of the Night Shift. Or I guess not the formation, because they were still called the Night Shift on the last show. It's the formation of them as a right. yeah, as a trio. The three-man this is, version. This is the formation of, you know, if you want to do, like, the lineage of, you know, villain groups in Chikara. Yeah. Like, this is the first one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is this is the one this is the one for 2002 and 2002 only, because they are not a thing a year <laughs> later. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's... Ichabod Slain is he he's got the classic Ichabod Slain mask now. The hair is coming out of the top rather than, you know, poking out from underneath the mask. Yeah. <laughs> Looking like he's well, got a bad wig. It's just his hair. He's like the opposite <laughs> of Zane Nebra. <laughs> oh, we're never uh, gonna talk about anything other than Zane Madrax. I love it. No, no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, uh, Matthias, were you happy <laughs> that while Hollow Wicked didn't have holes in his shirt. Oh, Ichabod Slain did. I was happy about yeah. that. <laughs> like that T-shirt choice. Like it's. It, I was surprised to see. Yeah, Ichabod Slain moved on with that. Hollow Wicked is just wearing a Superman shirt. Yep. <laughs> that was yeah. that was more surprising to me I than just like the, the plain old like like they're just normal black T-shirt. He was wearing well, on the. Front. You know, I just realized it. It. I, I think. I don't think it was a tank top originally. I think he cut those sleeves off. Yeah. So I guess that counts as holes, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the Superman yeah. logo really yeah, like, stands the out. The video, the picture quality was like enough that like part of me was wondering if it was actually that like Chris Hero shirt yeah. or it was uh, the CH. Like I I couldn't say with all certainty which one it was. I'm assuming it was just the Superman shirt. It was. Um, I, I, I checked because he was still wearing it in the main event. At the, yes. at least at the beginning. So yeah. So this is our first like villain motivation is just you know I want respect from the wrestling industry. It's it's kind of it, it it's like the standard heel faction uh, motivation essentially is like I'm not mm. getting enough respect. Yeah. You know, in a way that's kind of like what the prophecy was in Ring of Honor, except just with that like I'm not going to shake people's hands. You know, we're like shaking hands is bad. Don't. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, they were just ahead of their time. They were living in 2020 while we were all living in 2002. Oh. Christopher Daniels, I apologize for ever, ever judging the prophecy for their disrespect of the Code of Honor. The Code of Honor is malarkey. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so this is, this is yeah, they're like, they, they, want, they want respect. They're gonna take, get respect by any means necessary. You know, they're gonna... They're going to run roughshod over everyone, including the Black T-Shirt right. Squad. And they were scheduled for a main event. That's what I gathered with the Black T-Shirt Squad, right? Um, so, yeah, it's interesting in the sense that, like, 
I think it was. I actually did. You guys like note if it was like initially a tag team match and was turned into a trio. That may match? be. I, it sounds like he said I was supposed to take on the Black T-shirt Squad, but uh, Don Montoya and Reckless Youth aren't there. Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be all three yeah. from the beginning. That's weird. Was my impression. That's the way I took it. But yeah, but, but then that's weird because why would Blind Rage be working two matches at this night? Right. Like, he's wrestling Lovebug in the opener. Like, my assumption, like, watching that was like, oh, yeah, you know, I've formed this group and Black T-Shirt Squad. Like, my, my assumption was it was like a tag match between Hollow Wicked and Ichabod Slane against maybe Quack and Reckless well, I, I, or something. That might be. I don't know. But, I, I thought that maybe, you know, that was purposeful to, you know, they have him, you know, do the low blow in the beginning. Uh, and then, you know, just to, I mean, this, it's not like Chikara is above using people more than once in a night. I, a staple of the next, like, couple of years right. is what the double Jeopardy yeah. Battle Royal, where they have, you know, the Battle Royal come out, and then the last two people who are in the yep. ring, they have a match later on in the evening. And other people, they're also in matches later in the evening, too, half the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, if that's the case, and Blind Rage was, like, booked to work the opener against a capable veteran in Lovebug then he has a reason to be mad. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. that's softening him up for and the main event. And of course he just blew the match with a low blow. Yeah, like, wh- why wrestle a full match? You've got another match coming up. I don't know. Um, but that's what he says. Yeah, and clearly, it's... Don Montoya and Reckless Youth aren't there. So... They got another book in somewhere else. No. Which I can't yeah, yeah, out, Go ahead. Because out comes Quack, and that's what he says, is they have a double shot, they're, you know, an hour away or whatever, but they will be here. Which I, I did look into mm-hmm. it. I wasn't able to find, like, what other show they were working, but it was probably just some super low level that, you know... Yeah, something exactly, that sort of lost yeah. the hands of time. I, it's not I didn't know if that was even true, right. necessarily. Just, like, here's our reason yeah. for having them show up late. Well, that I, that's kind of why I looked into it, because I wanted to see if I could prove it. Um, important to note here, I was talking about, you know, Blind Rage wanting respect, right? Oh, I know. Well, yes. Mike Quackenbush, Mike, Mike Quackenbush has also taken note of that. So he comes out and he says, I don't remember what he says exactly, but it's like, you know, like, oh, you're like, you're, you're whining about how you don't get respect. Shut, Shut up, Aretha. Shut up, Aretha. It's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> this is, yeah, um, fantastic. That's such a good... I can't remember if the crowd like reacts to the, to the same way they reacted to uh, Butt Kick Cafe. I think that got a bigger pop. Well, he's got more of these to come. Than Shut Up Aretha did. Yeah, I mean, nothing can top yeah. the Butt Kick Cafe. So No. We yeah. still need to get that business off the ground. <laughs> yes. Uh, we also have him saying, we'll find out if you're champs or chumps. Which, I mean, there aren't any champs in Chikara at this point, so... Theoretical terms. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's see. Yeah, so the rest of BTS isn't there, but Blind Rage says that if they're not there by the main event, well, we're just going to go three on one. Yep. And that's our setup for the main event. Yeah. Uh, and then I think... We go on to Mr. Zero versus Ultra Mantis. The first meeting of the members of what would come to be known as Ultra Zero back when Ultra Mantis was the Technico and Mr. Zero was Vaguely. He's he's definitely so like this match is definitely like on these first two matches, they they don't really emphasize it. Mm-hmm. That's sort of yet to come. He's very much um he's very much like this year, like you know, he teams with Rudo mm-hmm. a lot, he teams with the night shift a lot this mm-hmm. year. Uh here he's just kind of grumpy yeah i maybe. can see that he's a grumpy little well, bug. 
and Ultramantis very much is the like scrappy yeah root uh, technico here. But it should be noted that Mr. Zero is still in the creepy proto-Zero mask. Yeah, I was not happy. Yeah. And in fact, this might be the last match where he wears that mask. Uh, But yeah, he he definitely, like, it hasn't come in the mail yet. So he's still wearing that, like, party city, you know. We don't have the likeness rights for the pointy-haired boss from Dilbert. But But you you get the idea. Um, Yeah, so this is, you know, this is their second match to... um, you sort of see Especially that. Especially the, the beginning of this match. The, yeah, the beginning mm-hmm. and like a little later on too, there's a couple of times where they sort of like, where, where they they just sort of like lose it for a second before exactly. they get it back together. Like the high, like like the highs are still, like the highs are still pretty good. I mean, these are still like two really good, like from day uh-huh. one characters, but definitely in terms of like wrestling, it's um, on the low end of what I've yeah, seen. Yeah, kind of like those. some awkward Irish whips at the beginning, which I mean... It's an Irish win. Yeah. And a lot of that early on stuff is you know. just like trading holds, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. back and yeah. forth. Yeah, the one fan was not impressed. No, um, man, Jim Cornette did not like <laughs> Mr. Zero. Like I am shocked. I don't so, know. Like, that's it, what we're calling this fan. It's weird. It's weird. It's so weird that he was here. Like, surely Ohio Valley Wrestling had a show <laughs> right. that Friday night, right? But here he is, and he is just shouting about, like, hey, you take that mask off! <laughs> Why? Your shirt's not tucked in! Like, this is where, <laughs> this is where, like, I, I think this is the match where, like, the other, like, the lady in the crowd is finally like, man, just stop yeah. talking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, I don't want to harp on, like, I don't want to harp on, like, the fans too much, but this is definitely, this is sort of where, like, I think the energy level is sort of down too, and you can sort of, like, you can sort of see the, you know, it's their second match thing, and, like, Mantis and Zero are just, like, dutifully ignoring this man. Right. Like, yeah. I will say, there does come a point, though, after there's quite a lot of that guy. Um, Zero rolls Mantis over with, um, I forget, some kind of pinning combination, and the fans actually applaud it. And yes. they, they start getting the focus back yes. from him. It was amazing. Can, can we yes. focus on this move for a second? Because I loved it. Um, so Zero put Mantis in the hold. Is that the one we're talking about? Yes, he rolls Mantis over into a pinning yes. combination. I forget the yeah. exact nature of it. Yeah, so Mantis was sitting up. And then uh, Mr. Zero grabbed his paper and, like, stepped over Ultramantis's shoulders from behind. And then, like, used his feet to hook the legs of of, of Ultramantis. Oh! And then, like, flipped yeah. him over into a submission. And at first, he was just, he had the paper spread out. And he was reading the paper while he was doing yes. it. This it was, was amazing. I loved it yes. so much. I think he dropped the paper at that point and then like, I, grabbed the arms as well. Yeah, no, that was so cool and like completely yes. unexpected. I didn't realize that there was like a version of the newspaper bit that wasn't yeah. just like the camel clutch. I was yeah. so into that. I thought that was I so the crowd loved the paper. Too. No, the whole crowd loved it too. And it I think it's it's an early yeah. sign of how some of these performers do have the ability to win a crowd over. Um and in terms of positive you know, we talk about fans a lot. Um, I want to talk about some positive fan stuff here. Uh, I think the same group of guys who really loved Zane Madrox also really love Mr. Zero. Uh, and so like the best, like the best crowd, like interactions, the best thing a crowd member says, like Zero goes up to the top. He's going to hit like a move off the top. And like one of those guys yells out like, 
Wall Street about to fall down. <laughs> he, yeah, like I, I love, I, I loved that. Uh, I think, I, I think uh, by the end, by the end, they'd absolutely yes. gotten the crowd into it. I think they'd, I think you know, you, you really get to see some really good stuff. Like after, like you know, even the bad stuff in some of these matches, it's just, it's just like a brief mm-hmm. moment here or there. Like the good stuff yeah, is and really good. While we're heaping praise on the crowd, uh, at one point. Someone let out this like guttural scream, like a hardcore like, <laughs> which is just perfect for an ultra mantis match. It is. Yeah, I was like, for a second, I was just gonna like, are you sure that wasn't no, just mantis? His are very like high. his mouth. No, his are all different pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this was yeah. The crowd. <laughs> no, but mantis does come back after that spot with lots of those uh, yells and they're like fiery comeback. Uh, this is also the third match in a row that one of the wrestlers has shouted out, like, it's time to finish it. He yells literally just, finish! With this, like, <laughs> yeah. hand-rubbing ritual. And then after he gets him in position, he says, Mantis Bomb! <laughs> yeah, no, he says Mantis Bomb. Um, and if I recall correctly, he is not able to actually hit the nope. praying Mantis Bomb. So he just sort of, like, shrugs. And instead what he does is, I think this is the first time he hits uh, Cosmic Doom. It doesn't have that name yet, but I think he. Wait, no, no, no. Sorry, it, I actually it don't remember. It starts from that double underhook position, more. but he like just takes him over for a suplex. Yeah, I believe. Well, that I think that was the the actual finish, right? The the praying that mantis was, bomb was a little right. before. I think. You're right. What it is, and then Mister Zero is blocking that attempt. He goes for it a few times. Mister Zero keeps blocking it. Yeah, uh, and then to get to the finish, because I think we're pretty much there. Yeah, and I also because I also like this a lot uh, too. <laughs> Hold okay. up, hold up. Correction, correction. Uh, that is not Cosmic Doom. Sorry. Uh, I, I got the two things. Cause it's, it's the full Nelson slam he uh-huh. does. Cosmic Doom is a different That's right. Title. That's what I'm thinking it's, of. It's, it's, it's his third like, sign- like signature, or what I associate as being his signature move. It's his full Nelson slam that he uh, pretty much does. Another one of those here. moves that has kind of the, you know, not really, it's not really a double underhook, but it's still two, you know, arms hooking like yeah. that. So kind of the butterfly motif. That was right. talking about before. Yes. Which I, it, I didn't notice it so much in the beginning of the match. I was looking for it this time after hearing Quack talk about it on commentary. And it kind of it came into play towards the end is what I noticed. It was like the yeah. Praying Mantis bomb, that, that full Nelson uh, slam. And then uh, eventually Zero gets Mantis down. Zero starts climbing to the top rope. But unfortunately, he has to adjust his tie a little before while he's getting up there. Right, and that that gives Mantis enough time to get up there. They're battling back and forth, and eventually Mantis is able to bring him over with, I believe it was a top rope butterfly, ah, a top rope butterfly suplex. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically that. Yeah, it's like a butterfly uh, superplex. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, and that wins the match. I think that is. I think that's the Wall Street about to fall down. Ah, zero going up and having right. to adjust his tie, uh-huh. like. Uh, I always, I always love moments like that where you know why the guy who lost the match lost the match, <laughs> and it's you know, it's it's zero like needing to you know it's his businessman instincts yeah. taking over. Well, and after that's time. done, Mantis gets some applause, but he he finishes up by drinking Mister Zero's coffee and tearing up his newspaper. Yeah, and not only drinking Again, it, spilling it all over the ring as well. Did you notice that? <laughs> like, he kicked it first, I think. Before he drank anything out of it, I believe he kicked it. <laughs> And you could see coffee go everywhere. So we had probably 
Zayn Madrox's crumbs and the copy on the ring all over again. For the, yeah. for the second week exactly. in a row. I think it was a different corner than the last time that coffee was spilled in the ring as well. <laughs> I think because like the first one was the one closer to the, the dragon. And I think this was closer to like hard cam. If I remember, yeah. I'm probably wrong. Um, but yeah, I saw him spill that. Like, oh, he did that. He ripped up the newspaper. He is showing maybe a little bit of Rudo tendencies. I don't know. He's just an excited Interpret it how you will. <laughs> Uh, so should we move on? We should. All right. Up next, we have Brock Singleton and Marshall Law, the second half of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, let's see here. I just oh, want to point, fact, go, yeah, go for it. I just wanted to point out that in Love Bug in the first match, and now with Marshall Law, they don't have the pink shirts, and I miss them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We get a nickname for Marshall Law from Bryce, by the way. Uh, I think. He was called the loyal bodyguard enforcer to Beauty and the Beast, which yeah. means he's his own enforcer. I right. think. Yeah, I think I got because I think I gotten wires crossed with Martial Law because I think between his name and like not really having that much context uh-huh. on him the week prior, I think I thought he was a cop, yeah. but he's actually a bodyguard. Yeah, you assume he's like a so, Dick Justice or that type. Well, I thought he was the big boss man, and actually, he's more Big Bubba Rogers. <laughs> okay. This is true. He's also um, a Martian. So, according to the crowd. Yeah, you know, kind of. Law is immediately like, that's not funny. And I love that. Thank you. <laughs> yep. I stand a um, king who doesn't take no fat shaming. Meanwhile, Brock Singleton is a bit like, if Matt Vandal is kind of like, if you pulled like, a like 2002 2003 like northeastern indie wrestler like out of the ether like that's who i would expect it to look like brock singleton is very much like he looks like a like to me what i always associate like midwest guys from that time period looking Uh like like he's very he's he's a he's a beefy boy like he's in good he's kind of like jockish he kind of reminds me a little bit of like kind of like what like a bj whitmer looked like around that time or like a like he he very much looks like like he would be in HWA or OVW or something like that. He absolutely He's looks like OVW, like, yeah. Yeah, he look he looks he looks very yeah, sort of like Kid Cruel the week before. If you had told me like Brock Singleton had gone on to sign for WWE developmental, I would have been like, Yeah, of course. He's like, a tall built guy in uh, green and yellow trunks. Yeah. Uh and he's got he's I think he, he's very polished in terms of like he knows who he is as a character he's very comfortable in the ring like you can see that like the the comparison between like him and where like say mantis and mr zero are at in the match prior like brock singleton is totally down to like give it back to the crowd like jaw jack at fans you know he's very he's very like engaged as a character uh, to like everything that's going around on in like in the building rather than just what's in and the I love those moments where he starts just throwing shade jaw jacking whatever whoever it might be with the ref the crowd doesn't matter yeah he, uh one of the instances was someone's like you still suck and Brock was like you can't prove that <laughs> that's a great comeback <laughs> Yeah, no, he was just, he was very comfortable. I think you're exactly right. He was he showed that comfort in the ring. Yeah. Uh, he, um, there, I have I have another one. I have another good Brock Singleton. Like he, someone I think someone 
told him that he stinked. Uh-huh. He's like someone like yelled, "You stink!" And Brock Singleton replies, "You stink, and I don't like you." <laughs> it's wonderful. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's just so simple and beautiful in its simplicity. Yeah, yeah. And Brock, I should say, he starts off the match just the whole theme of it seems to be like he's disrespecting martial law. Um, he's like, yeah. gets him in a, I think it's a wrist lock or something, and he starts slapping his head around. Yeah. But Law well, reverses Law gives it, it right back. back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, uh, is... at one point, Brock gets uh, Marshall Law on his back and goes to, like, stomp him in the stomach, but I don't think he hit him in the stomach. It looks like a low blow. It so looks like a low blow. Come on, Paul. It's, you know, that's... If it if it were a baby face and Gorilla Monsoon were on the call, I'm sure he would say it was uh, an abdominal just, stomp. Just 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 yeah, an abdominal stomp. Just 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 a little bit to the right. Um, still good. Uh, there's a great in terms of nefarious tactics for Brock Singleton. He also puts martial law in a submission hold. Um, it's like I think I heard him give up, and then like <laughs> attempts the ventriloquism. Like, like, tries to throw his voice and do what does, like, does what he thinks martial law sounds like. I guess to like say, "Yeah, I quit." <laughs> yeah, I give up. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a this is a, a enjoyable debut from Brock Singleton. I yeah. think the match still has its clumsier moments um, and it has like its sort of down periods, but like Brock Singleton, like I, looking through the rest of the results on two thousand and two shows, like. He is a regular presence on those shows, and yeah, with no disrespect to martial law, Brock Singleton really is the reason the crowd gets into this match. He is very good at being a bad guy in the simplest of ways. Okay, let's do a little disrespect to martial law for a second, actually, because <laughs> right. this is one of those moments I did want to focus on because it was so funny. Yeah. Uh, so, at one point in the match, uh, martial law hits a big splash in the corner. And Brock flops down. Law backs into the opposite corner, runs up, hops over Brock, jumps onto the first rope, slips, and like just lands <laughs> shin first on Brock Singleton's stomach. And then no, it's just kind of no, like it's better. It's better than that. It's no, better no, than that, please. actually. He he does that, and then yeah, no, he slips. He's not able to do it. And so he he doesn't like land shin first. It's like he Goes back down. It's like, well, that didn't didn't work, and so he just like stomps on him. <laughs> it's like, so like sits down in it, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't want to. You know, we I like to focus on the positive with the show, but sometimes things are too funny to not bring up. I'm sorry, Marshall. Well, and the finish is also it's you know. Oh yeah, he, he that's true. This, like, it is uh, the finish. Yeah, the, the, the finish is him going for like a pinning hold, and he's not able to do it the first time. So he the just gate of clutch, resets. I believe. Yeah, yeah, and so he just he resets and he gets it right the second time, yeah. and you know, yeah. uh, he he's able to get it in martial law. With but the better than that, after that happens, Brock is complaining to the ref. He pulled my tights. He bit my hand. He pulls out every oh, yeah. possible yeah. cheating. Oh yeah, that's the that's the classic. Yeah. That's the- Brock Singleton well, come back. Yes. I mean, you're no Zane Madrox. No. But God, no, no one can be, except for yeah. Scooter McCoy. Skeeter. Skeeter McCoy. Ah. Scooter McCoy Man. is his brother. Already. Already. How soon we forget. Uh, gone, but apparently forgotten. <laughs> Scooter McCoy is Skeeter McCoy's brother. It's right there in Chikara yeah. 80s. <laughs> oh, and then uh, 
we haven't mentioned this week that uh, and I don't think we're going to mention it every week because it goes on for a long time, but they still are using the pony ring, the very small ring. Right. And yeah. to kind of put over how small it is, after this match, martial law rolls out and Paul Turner raises his hand from inside the ring. Like, <laughs> showing, and he's able to like, it, there's like a foot difference between the two of them. There's, it is not much. Uh, yeah. And I mean, hey, Martial Law is also, he's he's a tall man. He's tall. the tallest man on yeah, the show. Yeah, a couple people had to duck to get through the dragon's mouth, I noticed this time. Yeah. Uh, well, that leaves us with one match left. The yep. main event of the evening, the Black T-Shirt Squad versus the Night Shift. The first time that these three have teamed together. Ichabod Slane comes out in druid robes and carrying a pumpkin. Yes. Well, oh go over that... his face so he is headless. Yes. Oh my god. I I if that robe was like still around, it was entirely possible it was just gone by that point. I would have loved for him to have brought that back for the uh Hextman storyline yeah. over a decade later. That's a great entrance yeah. robe. Spe- and speaking of great entrances. We got Kung Fu fighting. Yep. Mike Quackenbush comes out alone, sadly. Don Montoya and Reckless Youth are still not here. But he's all fired up. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that for the time where they all come out as a trio, it's to Quack singles theme. (laughs) And now when it's just Quack, uh, you know, and that's like, you know, it's it's like a good teaser. It's like, oh, are they all, do they all make it here? Oh, no. It's just. Just, just Mike Quackenbush against these three men. Uh, so the like, but yeah, I was I was very excited after like hearing that that's what their uh, theme as a trio was. Like actually hearing it, uh, I was I was hyped. Yes, I was ready for this. I was so excited, and it starts off pretty hot and heavy too with Quack oh, yeah. fighting off all three. I mean, he gets Blind Rage in a paradise eh, a paradise lock. He takes down yep. Wicked and you know gets his bends his leg back and then Ichabod runs in and is immediately caught up in a cerebral lock. Yeah, you know, like upside uh, down, like twisty thing. You know, shout out to Blind Rage. Thing. So shout out to Blind Rage, the best technical wrestler in the world, apparently, because he's actually able to get out of the paradise lock by himself. Yeah. Any other time, you know, you see that you see that move deployed. It takes a strike from the person who applied it to break that you know, break that hold, but maybe, maybe there's just sort of like a time limit. Like after a certain point, it's like a stunning effect. Right. Uh, Cause at some point, like all quack has the other two tied up blind rage gets out of the paradise lock by himself and attacks. Yeah. Him. And that just becomes a triple team. Well, and at this point, I don't think Mike Quackenbush has mastered quite a thousand holds. No, he's up to like he's not, you know, 901. Yeah. And the Paradise Lock was not one of them yet. He's almost there. No. But, but Blind Rage was able to get out on his own. <laughs> but the crowd really loved like all the fun submissions and stuff. Yeah. No, this is this is the match that I think the crowd was the most like unambiguously like just straight up into. Yeah. Like, this is like they 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 are completely when you look at the results from a lot of these shows, it's a lot like this. It's um shorter matches early on and then like a 30 minute main event that's like a trios or an atomico well and that 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 also doesn't really go away with chikara i mean you have like the 90 minute anniversario main event coming up one of these years oh well yeah yeah, we'll we'll get to that for that we'll get to that (laughs) well 
You might not because it wasn't because isn't that the two thousand and three main event? The ninety minute like five like five on five like goes for goes a oh is that one not streaming? I think I that one's not DVD. I also have that on DVD. It's not streaming. Get ready to hear more about that, but not an in depth discussion on the next episode of Geography. Yeah, it's it's great, and who knows, like maybe a miracle will occur and that show will just suddenly be on uh, streaming within the next two weeks. Uh, Cause that show is great. And that match is great, but yes. this match is also great. Uh, and around this time, after a little more, a little more of quack versus through them, suddenly just <laughs> reckless youth and Don Montoya just run, <laughs> just, just, yeah. just run headlong into the ring. So I have a question to you guys. Uh-huh. Do you think, do you think that this was just like, oh, this is the dramatic stakes of the show? Or do you think that they were actually like late? Uh, if they were late getting there, they were not that late. I think they really did intentionally build up some dramatic stakes, maybe making the most of the situation they had. Um, but I, I could see them showing up after the show began, but not <laughs> as late as they did. Yeah, I... If they had shown up like five minutes into the match or something... Maybe I could kind of see it, but it was also like thirty seconds. It seemed like yeah, well, uh, maybe so, a minute. Yeah, for me, for me, I actually feel like the reason why I asked that question is because it's so early into the match and Quack's uh-huh. like not really in danger at uh-huh. the point they show up yeah. at. That I'm like, oh yeah, maybe they just like maybe there was just bad traffic from their first yeah. show to this show. Maybe a road was closed because it definitely like felt like. I was expecting this to be like the equivalent of, you know, for like like one of the, you know, great King of Trios moments. And I won't like give the context. I'll just say Fire Ant shows up. Uh, yeah. And I thought this was like, this was like the precursor to that. Um, and maybe it was. And like, maybe, maybe that is like the first time we see this like sort of storyline, storytelling trope um, invoked. But to me, it definitely felt a bit like, oh, well, nope, we're here now. <laughs> Let's have this Trios match. I take it as like, they just could have, stretched out that beat a little longer. You could yeah. have gotten more out of um, Quack getting beat down by all of yeah. Night Shift. Yeah. And, well, and when they do show up, Quack like turns to them. It's like, oh, took you boys long enough. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like, been like a minute, minute dude. <laughs> I think Reckless Youth uh, is the first person that's able to like get the crowd to clap along with them. Oh my god, Reckless Youth's crowd work is so good. It's so yeah. like, he knows he knows how he like like he sort of talks to the crowd like it's like kind of like blues clues you know <laughs> it's like i know hey you know what i'm gonna prompt you to do and i know you know what i'm gonna prompt you to do <laughs> so hey count along with me as i do <laughs> as i count to 10 and, and speaking of that there is a great you know so this is the first time we see the uh the arm ringer spot or like yeah. the, arm yank, the arm pulling spot uh where Arm crank. That's the, that. There we go. Uh, where it's you know, uh, rec- like like they basically do it to the Rudo a couple of times. Technicos do it to the Rudo a couple of times. Then the Rudo like takes advantage, or it's that, or it's you know the Rudo does it successfully one time, and then the roles are reversed. This time it is like the Technicos do it, and then the Rudos are like Blind Rage and Hollow Wicked are like, all right, well it's our turn now, and instead it just ends up with Blind Rage doing the arm cranks on. Hollow Wicked, like his back is turned to Hollow Wicked, so he doesn't realize he's 
Yeah, Montoya reverses it at the last second. Yeah. yeah. And the best part of this one is that <laughs> the black t-shirt squad all get out of the ring and run <laughs> yeah. and like stand in front of blind rage and are like, because the crowd isn't really like, the crowd's happy to count along with reckless youth. They're not particularly into counting along with blind rage. Mm-hmm. So blind rage like tries to get them to do it and they are not having it. But the black t-shirt squad just run over and get right in front of them and they all start counting. And then you have that great, like, you know, Looney Tunes, like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> like blind rage is Wiley Coyote who has already gone over the cliff and doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, now let me ask you a question, Matthias. When you think of that arm crank spot in Chikara, who comes to mind for you? Honestly, like, Probably not a specific person. Like, I, I feel like I've seen that from multiple people. Who does it bring See, to mind? For me, you? I think of it as, like, very much Icarus being involved. Yeah, that's true. That's, um, I, I was thinking about... And he was not involved in this one. He was just watching. Yeah. I was definitely thinking about, like, who would be giving it, not who would take it. You're uh, right that, like, Icarus would be, like, the butt of the joke on, yeah. on that move. Typically. To the point that I, when it first started, I was like, oh... The night shift isn't doing this. The technicos are doing the arm crank. What? What's yeah. happening? But then at the very end, that yeah, it's it wasn't like the the usual one, the one that ha- you know they go back to quite a couple times. Yeah, yeah uh, no, you're right. Yeah. Let's see here, uh, we get a big splash from Don Montoya onto Wicked's arm mm-hmm. at one point. They keep working over that arm for a little while. I always love you know limb work. So yay, good good job, guys. Yeah. Well, that didn't that, really play into the finish or anything, but you know you tried. No, it's oh. a fun moment. Uh, yeah. That does turn into eventually. I don't know if I'm skipping over anything you want to talk about, but it turns into night shift takes back over, and then reckless youth is just caught with all of them for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, reckless youth is the face in peril in this match, uh, and at some point we do see our second uh, chain submission spot. Kind of an interesting one yeah. in the sense that, like, the Rudos actually get the better of this one. And I think I usually think of that as, like, oh, you know, it's usually going to be the good guy who gets, like, the big final submission. But this time the night shift does come out ahead on the uh Yeah, I feel like submission. either the good guy gets it in the end or the bad guy, like, messes it all up. Yeah. Or does something... Yeah. Does something like really anticlimactic, like uh-huh. it's like a like 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 just like an ear, like like he's like tweaking an ear or something like. Yeah, that. Uh, we get some fun team offense from the night shift in this match. Uh, you get you know Wicked hitting the burning hammer. I guess that's is that the burning Melvin or the or not the oh burning the burning Melvin. Beavis the burning burning Beavis, Beavis yeah. Uh, you know, all three of them go to the top rope and go for diving headbutts, but all three of them miss, unfortunately. Yeah, that's when things turn around. You dodges yeah. it. Uh, yeah, Montoya and Quack jump in, and they're clearing out both Hallowicked and Slain. Youth hits a figure four on Blind Rage, and that's when actually that's when the I think the um, submission train comes in. Yes, yeah, just a lot of fun is. stuff in this. Like you know, Quack leaping to the top rope, hitting a flipping senton, a top rope cutter from Reckless Youth to Ichabod Slain. Yeah, it turns into like pairs all around the ring, just trading focus, doing uh, different spots. Yeah, um, and so. If that keeps going, do we want to talk about? Do we want to get to the yeah, finish? Sure, yeah. Um. So I think the finish is interesting. So like, so the finish is you know, uh, it's a pumpkin shot. It's a it's a pumpkin to the head from I believe. Is it Ichabod using his own pumpkin? Yeah. There? Yes. Quack, hits yeah. Quack and driver on rage, but the ref yep. is distracted, getting youth out of the ring. Um. Yeah. 
and Slane hits Quack with a pumpkin. Yes. Um, and I think that's interesting because this is another time where Shakara sort of pulls like a, a thing I associate from like Japanese indie wrestling specifically, which is like the designated heel group and a lot of like smaller Japanese promotions tend to have like a signature weapon that they use in finishes a lot. Um, a good example of this is, and I think you see a lot of Toriumon like nods on this show. You see like, uh, if you know the Zayn Madrox's move, like that might have just been the beach break, which was Genki Horiguchi's uh, signature move. Like that's where the name comes from. It's uh, Genki Horiguchi's original gimmick was that he was a surfer, so that's why that's why it's called the beach break. <laughs> uh, like if you're ever, if, yeah, if you ever wondering why, like an ant, why a wrestling <laughs> ant's uh, finishing move is called the beach break, it is not. It, it, it's yeah, that's that's where the name comes from. Um, Quack uses the Paradise Lock, which tends to be associated with, now it's associated with like Sonata in New Japan. But like prior to that, it's uh, Milano Collection AT, who will eventually start appearing on Jakara shows a couple of years later. Uh, and and here, dog. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Michael. Uh, and here, so what I always like, the main like weapon I associate is that like through the years in Toriumon and later Dragon Gate, Quite often, whoever, like, the heel faction was, they would use, like, a box. They would, like, just bring a box to the ring, like a plastic box, and they would, like, get wins, like, hitting people with that box or get DQs hitting people with that box. In terms of, is like, it like a little trash can, or like is it just um, is there it like are, a cardboard box? What it's, no, it's like it's like it's like you know if you go to like the container store, like uh. it's like a plastic container box like that you like put stuff in for like moving. If I'm recalling it correctly, that's great. Trash cans have like tiny trash cans have also definitely been used in Japan uh, as a weapon. Uh, in terms of like a current like. If people, if anyone listening to this has uh, watched any of uh, Stardom recently, uh, Oedo Tai there, they also will quite often win matches with like a sign that they bring to the ring. So there's sort of a connective tissue there, sort of like for the, you don't really, you don't really see this with any other Chikara villain group, like in terms of like having a signature weapon that they win or uh, get DQs from using a lot, but you see it here with the night shift and their pumpkin because uh, I believe that is a recurring thing uh, from what I remember from reading results, like from this year, is that there tend to be a lot of like pumpkin shots in these matches. Delight. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I, I was trying to think if there was any other um, like weapons like that. And I think you're right. This is the only non sentient weapon used by a villain stable. Yeah, I think that's yeah, no. Uh it's it's not like brainwashing people to join their cult. It's just it's a pumpkin and I'm well, I, I was thinking it. of Ducalion. Oh yeah. <laughs> that is basically his role. Come out at the oh. end, kill someone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so that match it ended in twenty one minutes and eight seconds after that pumpkin shot, Blind Rage was able to uh pin Quackenbush. And, and Paul Turner yeah, didn't on. see it. You know, well, that that pumpkin didn't like shatter into pieces. There wasn't like a ton. Of yeah, I, I was it like a plastic pumpkin. I, I think that's what couldn't it was. Yeah. It was, I expected like seeds everywhere. Yeah, came from the same store where they got uh, Mister Zero's mask. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's probably the case. Oh. So yeah, so the match is over, um, and 
God. Walter <laughs> doesn't know what happened. And you, the, another person who doesn't know what happened happened at the end there is Reckless. Yep. <laughs> and so he gets on the mic and he asks, this is, this is again, like, this is Reckless Youth, like, absolutely, like, no one, like, Brock Singleton's, like, one-liners are great. But, like, in terms of, like, crowd work, Reckless Youth is so great on the show. And he's especially great here at the end where he's just, like, he's, like, wait, well, what happened? Like, did anyone see what, did anyone see what happened? Uh, Was and, like, it just all- me? Or did we have those jabronis pinned in this match? He said yeah. jabronis. Yes, he yeah. did. And he uh, even says, could someone raise their hand? Yep. And so- <laughs> yes. Yeah, because they're all Everyone shouting. was trying to say it at once. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he also, he called, um, the quacken driver a big, pretty quacken bomb. Is how he thought that match had ended. Sure. Uh, he's like, you know what? We're not, we're not going to wait until next week. You know, he figured out what happened, found out about the pumpkin. He's incensed. Well, he asked them now to wait if they now. want to wait until next week. Mm-hmm. And they say no, surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, Has anyone ever said like, yes, I need to go home. I have a babysitter I need to dismiss. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, and so, so this is this this goes on for so, yeah, like 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 the the, the Rudos don't want it want to do it. Um, so they go out, they go to the back, and they like drag them out and they beat them up. Uh, Don Montoya hits the old Manny Fernandez flying burrito on one of them. They're like they like flying like it's 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 like a fly, it's like a flying forearm variation. Basically, uh, and he just flattens he flattens one of the night shift, and I can't remember. Yeah, I didn't write I down what like, each person took. I'm thinking of the corner punches. I remember that happening with all three, and then yeah. and then Rage says that you don't have to wait until next week and go back to the back again. Yeah, and <laughs> to which then... the uh, rec- reckless gets the crowd chanting, "No next week, no next week." Because I, he hates the concept of time or something. I, well, he also gets people chanting for five more minutes, specifically yes. five more minutes. They kind of do a lot at the end here. Kind this of goes on keep, for a while. Like, like every time I think it's over, it just starts again. It does. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like so weird because they could have. So you know, then what? What they get to is you know the Allentown. Oh like, my god, <laughs> that this is by far my favorite thing on the whole show. Yeah, um, you know, like the. So basically, you know, he says, in order to keep coming back every week, giving you five guys these $5 matches, we have to conform to the city of Allentown's regulations. And I guess for like the city of Allentown, the city of Allentown was only able, only willing to let these shows go is if there there were five matches on the show and the show was over by 10 o'clock. I get over by 10 o'clock, but why five matches? (laughs) It's... And, and, Before and they just, even get to City of Allentown, they keep repeatedly saying the commission, the athletic commission. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, for all we know, yeah, like Frank Talent might not have approved of uh, going a sixth match at this late date. Like, you know, you got you, Frank Talent, like you don't cross him. You don't you don't push him around. What he says goes, you uh, you know, he we'll, we'll see him. We'll see him. and We'll see like how little nonsense he takes down the road. I believe he is not at the show but uh eventually you're gonna see that he is not a man to trifle with so if 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 the commission is saying hey you gotta stop now you gotta stop then but recklessly what's funny is youth gets the people chanting five minutes bryce gets on the mask uh the bike to ask if night shift are coming back out they do and 
Breakfast News is the first to bring it up, saying, don't give me that commission stuff out yeah. by 10 o'clock. He says, turn the clock back five minutes. What do you say? I don't care yeah. what the commission says. Oh. Um, and anyway, yeah, so long and short of it is no, like, they can't have five more minutes. They can't keep wrestling. But on the next show, they will, uh, on the next show, they'll have singles matches. So each member of the black uh, t-shirt squad will wrestle a member of the night shift. Um, I'm really looking forward like, to seeing those matches. Oh, yeah, man. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Um, next episode. Feels like we could have gotten to that. Like, Oh, also, I think I think Reckless Youth has none of the six-man nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, feels like we could have gotten to that like five minutes earlier than we did. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it definitely it started and stopped and kept going. Well, it kept starting and stopping. And even after they all come out, they fight, they fight into the back. Youth comes back out. And this is one of the things I love about this. It says, we just got a phone call. And literally they were out in the back for 10 seconds. But he comes back out, we just got a phone call and can only have five matches. So someone must have been watching somehow who, somewhere. Who was snitching on Jakara? <laughs> right. Chris Cruz. Like, it was Chris Cruz. He got AEW for bleeding in Baltimore, which is against like their athletic commission. Got him popped like a $10,000 fine. Oh, Chris man. Cruz is a snitch. Chris Cruz, you are also not welcome on future episodes of this podcast. Like Necro Butcher, you will not be a future guest. Yes, exactly. Now, I do want to put one thing to you about all of this uh, as we wrap up the the show of, you know, the Live from the Factory 2. How much do you think this Allentown commission is based in reality? Because there's a good chance. On the commentary on the last show, they mentioned that the reason they eventually you know, had to stop running shows over the summer was because they had like zoning issues with the city. Well, and the city yeah. of Allentown apparently was telling them they, well, their, their worry was they were bringing in a bad element into that part of town. Mm-hmm. The and occultists. then I think they get, yeah, shut, the night- then they get it shut down by um, like parking regulations in the end. Yeah. And, okay. and I just, I do want to point out, on that last show, the sixth show of that first run, there were eight matches. Oh, so was it a zoning oh. issue, or did Chris Cruz snitch? Did he that little cop caller? Did he get the commission and get Shakara shut down? I think so. I think youth just finally had enough, and we had no more of the six man nonsense, and they broke it down into eight individual matches. Yeah. So anyway, so I think we'd say that like the big. In terms of like overall significance for Chikara history, like the big thing is the night shift. Yeah. Like yes. the establishment of this as the first, you know, heel group that needs to be thwarted in Chikara lore. Yeah. And is there that kind of thing? I mean, the Mantis Mr. Zero interaction feels important. It's not really a story beat or anything. Yeah, it's like it's like this is like a neat thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's a okay. cute little footnote, kinda. Yeah. It's something worth mentioning. Well, should I ask, do you have a favorite match of the whole night, a match of the night? Uh, for me, it's the main event. Um, it's, you know, I think I think these shows are sort of built around. You saw that, like, with the Renaissance Dons, too. It's, you know, getting these three great wrestlers in the black t-shirt squad. And they're, like, on, on the Renaissance Dons, it's against three other, like, really great, like, top-line indie wrestlers. Here, it's uh, Blind Rage, who's also great, and Hollow Wicked and Ichabod Slane were 
very seemed pretty pretty good for two matches in, quite frankly. But uh, yeah, like to me, like this is the match you'd go back and watch multiple times. Like it's it's just really excellent. It's just really well wrestled throughout the entire thing. There are no like brief miscues. I want to hear Dan's in a second, but I'll throw out a uh, probably a controversial pick for my match of the night first. I'm gonna say Matt Vandal versus Zayn Madrox. What? And it's not just be- it's not just because Zayn Madrox is the absolute boy of these yeah. first two shows of Shakara. It's, I think it's a really good uh, just you know heel takes over, beats down the uh, you know the uh, underdog. Underdog makes a comeback, and I, I don't know. And I like I I tend to like more bite sized matches. I think which yeah. is maybe not the typical thing for indie wrestling fans, wrestling fans in general. Um, but I like bite size or, or like tight package, uh, character stuff, simple story, one act, two act, three act, take it home. And I thought Matt Vandalin and Zane Madrock was actually pretty good for that. Yeah, no, I think that you make a lot of good points there. I don't agree with you that it's the match of the night, but I think you make a lot of good points there. <laughs> but, Fair enough. <laughs> no, actually, like, uh, cause I completely agree. I like smaller bite size matches, um, you know, I I think a lot of matches go too long in general. Uh, I don't know if it's just like the, you know, ADHD or whatever. It's like, I don't, I don't know if I can not look at my phone for long or <laughs> for 40 minutes mm-hmm. to watch like a Kenny Omega match or something. Um, but so my favorite match of the night was Ultramantis versus Mr. Zero, actually. All right. That's a solid pick. I think it had a very rough start, but I really enjoyed watching them get it back from there. You know, and we're we're saying it's, you know, match of the night, but, I, you know, we don't need it to be like the most technically proficient because that, yeah, that was black t-shirt squad versus the night shift. Sure. But what I really enjoyed more than anything was, yeah, like that, uh, that newspaper spot, like that was my yeah. favorite thing in the whole show. There's just so many fun moments in that match that that was my favorite of the night. Definitely. That. You, and I'll be honest, you might have flipped me on this because that also has going for it the other big thing I love about any match I tend to love, and that's um, lots of great character moments. Um, exactly. That it's about story and it's about character. And here you have two of Chikara's earliest well-defined characters um, and lots of little moments that paint that in. Okay, so that sounds like two votes to one. I mean, you're both you're both wrong, but <laughs> I, 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 I think it sounds, I think it sounds like Ultramantis versus Mister Zero has one. Uh, All right, nice. we don't have to print up an award, so no, it's fine. We don't have to be unanimous. We'll we'll write we'll we'll write we'll scribble something down on a piece of paper and we'll hand it to Zero the Sun. Like, hey, give this to your dad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he'll appreciate it. Black. Uh, any other awards you want to give out? I got a few in mind. Yeah, go for it, Josh. Well, I'd say, and maybe you have a different opinion on this, I think the most Chikara thing on this show, by the way, is Mantis ripping up, uh, drinking Mr. Zero's coffee and ripping up the newspaper. See? It just feels like if you put that into uh, a highlight reel of the history of Chikara, it just slots right in um, of the kind of thing you'd see over and over again in the future. I think that's probably true, but I would say that the most Shakara thing on the show is Zane Madrox entering through the exit. I think in terms of like just a well-executed joke, 
like just like a well executed mm-hmm. joke that informs something about the character like that long like that static shot of the entrance way and that long intro um followed by like oh panning over wait no he's over there he entered to the wrong door what a weirdo like i think that says something about where jakara's like style of humor is coming from mm-hmm. there's a lot of sub- there's a lot of subverting expectation there's a lot of really like well executed jokes like that like if zane madrox were like a bigger figure in jakara lore rather than being you know the most obscure of the people who had debuted around this time like i think that would have been like a bit that like people could go back to like oh yeah classic zane madrox instead like instead of saying it like we are where it's kind of like yeah, classic Zane Madrox of the two matches we can see. <laughs> right. I think I think there's I think you can see a lot of the DNA of Chikara, like like the way the characters are presented uh through that bit. So that's I, that that's my vote. That's an excellent point. Yeah, I think I would give this to Matias on that one. Uh I, I loved everything about the Mantis and Zero match. Um but yeah, I think the most Chikara thing is like this is someone coming kind of out of nowhere, burning bright, and then disappearing. <laughs> that feels a little you went a different that. way than I was expecting. <laughs> Shikara, oh. it's really about death. <laughs> it's a supernova, which means the star died. <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah. we, we are very informed by the times that we're living in. <laughs> I'm just thinking about death a lot for some reason. I don't know why. Look, man, Jakar gives me hope. Don't bring that sadness uh, around here. Jakara means power? No. Jakara <laughs> means death. Ashes is later. We'll get to that. Okay. Um, oh god, are we? A couple of quick, couple of quick other awards I want to give out. I there's a lot of guest stars here early on in the early years of Chikara, and I got to give my best guest star of the show to Brock Singleton. Yes, he's yeah. uh, I really liked him. Yeah, for, this, it's, for this, it's kind of between him and Matt Vandal, mm-hmm. because I think Lovebug and Martial Law would basically be considered roster members for this first year, right. too. So, like, between, you know, shout-outs to Matt Vandal, shout-outs to his do-rag, but, like, Brock Singleton. Yeah. yeah. And I got to say, the best villain on the show. 100%. More than Brock Singleton, more than Blind Rage, any of the night shifts. More than the guy in the crowd? Allentown yeah. Is the city of Allentown. <laughs> <laughs> That's your big bad. That's your first, not the night shift, your first big bad in Chikara is the city of Allentown. The first yeah. shadowy organization. The Athletic Commission. Five matches only, not past ten. Does anything come to mind for like the most, or the best unintentional comedy moment of the night we think about like the planned comedy of zane madrax and the coffee i mean Jack's got a few of his own honestly he's got his like inspiring to be spider-man quips um yeah there is something about the athletic commission won't give you your allowance and so you can't <laughs> yeah and that's sort of quack you know that's like you know we we the in terms of like crowd heckles there's a difference between like heckling that's like tearing down and heckling that's like okay yeah this is a thing about your character so i was like okay whatever yeah he looks like marilyn manson that's corny or like he's wearing black lipsticks okay but he literally is so quack like quack like picking up on that and like Mm -hmm. and 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 playing it up at the end Uh, for me it's probably best on like on the spot comedy is probably 
honestly, it's probably Wall Street about to fall down. It's it's whoever yelled that out. I, I that 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 destroyed me. Uh, like I I just love the idea of like yeah, big business. Yeah, you're gonna get him, business tyrant. You're not too big to fail. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine's not going to top that. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear it though. What do you? What do you think? Uh, well, there was a moment in the main event where Blind Rage, like, and this is what made me think of this for like the unintentional comedy award. Blind Rage throws Quack into the corner, but Paul Turner's already standing there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and then so yeah. Quack like lands sitting. You know, uh, in the corner, Paul Turner like jumps up so he's above him, <laughs> kind of like almost on the top rope, like in the top turnbuckle. And then Blind Rage has to like mo- throw him out of the way, basically, because they were going to the top next. So I, yep. I love that moment. Yeah, that oh. was pretty good. Do we have well, that- any other ones? I think I'm I good. Think, I think we're good on awards, you know. Well, then let's head on out of here. Thank you all so much. Uh, you can reach us at Chicography at Chicography podcast at gmail.com. I am Dan at Human Garbage Dan. Thank you to Matthias at Son of Mecca Mummy. Thank you for Josh at Josh Uwa. Thank you to Triple Bunk Bed, uh, Ralph, uh, Joe Sposto, Kevin, four people who have reached out. And thank you for listening. Hope to see you next time we see you. Black Lives Matter.